Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today we are joined by Mark Rogers, CRO of MPartner. How are you doing, Mark? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tony. I'm doing great. Appreciate the opportunity. 100%. Thanks for joining us. You're tuning in from uh, Utah, correct? Salt Lake City, you bet. Oh, yes, yes. How's the weather up there? Uh, it's starting to turn into spring. We did finally get some snow, so we're happy. Okay, all right. Don't, don't hurt them too badly out there on those slopes. <laughs> um, so we are going to tell, tell us a little bit about Impartner and how you guys are transforming sales. So Impartner, thank you. And Impartner is uh, the... The industry's leading peer play partner relationship management solution and partnership relationship management is essentially a CRM for indirect routes to market. If you think about the CRM, Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics, whatever, the focus there is 100% on direct sales and, of course, managing everything customer. The challenge is what Accenture and others will tell you is, hey, wait a minute. 70 to 75% of all revenue ultimately goes through a channel, some kind of a channel, something different than a direct sales uh, model. So how do we account for that 70 to 75%? That's the business we are in. And what we do is we make channel marketing, channel engagement, uh, partner sales and so forth much easier for those partners. But more importantly, we bring insight, visibility and manageability to the partner channel. We enable that channel to be able to unlock in their entire potential, um, to be able to basically manage every opportunity, to be able to update opportunities within your Salesforce instance, for example. We able, we're able to basically give them an experience that makes them sticky so that they don't want to go to your competition. Instead, if we provide all of the assets, the tools, everything that they need at the time they need it, tailored or if you will, segmented specifically to the role or the geo of where that partner is, then it's likely that they're gonna be far more effective in selling your product and being able to accomplish the things they want to do. Nice, and last question for you on that front then as we, as we transition to the, the, the focal point of our show, Salesforce. So, so, and so you guys integrate with Salesforce and um, maybe a plethora of other uh, CRM tools. Yeah, absolutely. We do. We better really, yeah. That, and that's, and it's critical by the way, in the manufacturing uh, vertical, for example, there are many companies who do not use uh, a CRM. Interestingly enough, uh, they do all of their business through distributors, for example, they have or wholesalers or whatever the case may be. Well, who, you know, a CRM doesn't really cover what a distributor would do. It has no way to, co to uh, you know, comprehend or rationalize a DISTI interaction or transactions, but that's what we do for them. And when you combine the two solutions, there you have the complete picture. All right, so let's get into it. So what we normally do on the show is we identify and talk to you about your single biggest challenge that you dealt with in the past year as it pertains to hitting your revenue goals. And then you take us through how you approached overcoming that challenge and whether you hit that result at the end of the day, right? Maybe it affected, maybe you didn't hit your revenue target. Maybe you came in below, maybe you came in on track. The most important thing that we get to take away from this is how it transforms you as a sales leader and how it affects your future decisions as a sales leader. Um, so with that intro, let's get into it. 
Mark, what was the singest, biggest challenge you dealt with last year as it pertains to hitting your revenue goals? Tony, this is no surprise. It's COVID. Everybody ran into the same challenge. And what was interesting is in early March, we immediately started to see um, that in, in play deals, right, started to slow down. We started to see um, executives kind of pull back a little bit. The size of our deals, ASP, you know, of a pr prospective deal suddenly would go down. And it was because of the uncertainty of COVID. You know, clearly in the near term, many of our customers were very concerned and fearful about what was happening. Their customers were pulling back on sales or buying and so forth. And so we obviously immediately saw something changing. But what was interesting is in the tech uh, industry, uh, it was pretty. Also, it was also pretty clear that there was an opportunity that was brewing. And if, after a few months, we actually started to see a number of peer companies start to pick up in their business because they were able to adapt very quickly to the fact that now customers were no longer traveling. We weren't having face-to-face -face meetings. So obviously the Zooms of the world and others are taking advantage of that. And many of those are our customers, right? They're our targets. So that is what we saw. It was a huge, huge challenge. We'd never seen anything like before. And I'm telling you, it was a scary time at first. Okay. So yeah, definitely can relate to that challenge of deals slowing down some businesses, especially depending on what markets you were targeting. Uh, really touch and go a lot of pivoting taking place in 2020 um how did you guys start addressing that challenge yeah i mean it's 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 an interesting thing because again beginning in march we began to see that you know there was also some pretty decent opportunities there right the, if i think about it um you know we had to fade we we weren't about to be go back to our board and say hey guys uh you know we're going to suddenly come in with half the revenue that we thought we were or half the bookings we still wanted to make sure that we could maintain our ultimate um, year end goal, but we knew that in the short term, we were going to have struggles, um, you know, making our near term numbers because clearly we had a lot of business that I wouldn't say dried up, but it mm -hmm. definitely was delayed. Right. right. So, you know, it, the, so what we did at first, we, we, we really sat back and said, you know what, we have got to build confidence in our customers that we are a safe haven, that we represent something that they can count on, that they can depend on, not only existing clients, but we mm -hmm. had to send that message to prospective clients. COVID actually created a fairly unique opportunity for customers because, because we weren't sending sales reps out on calls and flying out to New York or wherever it was, and especially overseas in Europe, we knew that partners which we cater to our whole solution is geared around you know helping customers maximize their partner you know contribution we mm -hmm. recognize that partners had a unique opportunity because of their relationships with customers especially in places like germany overseas wherever it might be and so if we could capitalize on empowering those partners if we could capitalize on it's reassuring customers that you know what you don't have to stop your reach you it would by the way many of our customers stopped hiring as you know many companies right. stopped hiring direct salespeople. but lo and behold what did they do they started uh, doubling down on recruiting more partners there was a specific reason for that because the mm -hmm. partners had the relationship they didn't have to have reps go out there and learn what customers were doing these partners already understood what these customers needs were and wants and so forth, especially in the small to medium business side. 
And so at the end of the day, you know, if you think about it, often we look at smaller customers as what we used to call at Akamai rest of the world. And I don't mean to, that's not a, that's not derogatory, but you know, ROW, rest of the world, we didn't put enough focus and attention on the fact that these guys are going to be, you know, they're going to be the next Splunk, you know, in five years or whatever the case may be. They're going to be the next Zoom, big, yeah. you know, great companies. And at the same time, we also have to realize that those smaller companies are often covered by partners. Well, if you're not paying as much attention to the smaller companies, are you going to be, you know, paying the kind of attention you need to to those partners? Probably not. So our messaging began to change rapidly. We started saying, look, we can help you build out that channel. We can help you recruit more great partners who can get to more, you know, can scale for you, can get to more of these customers and they understand those customers. We can empower those partners to be able to sell better than they do today, to be able to, um, you know, get the tools that they need because we can deliver specifically what they need when they need it, as opposed to you have to bring them in to do some enablement training. We can do all this through our portal. And customers started to listen to that. Well, by the same token, right, there were a lot of other things that we needed to do as well, because our, our, frankly, uh, Tony, our product was not really ready. It was a pretty significant obstacle mm -hmm. in our, mm -hmm. you know, in our path, because if you think about it, our, part, our, our custom uh, solutions, our enterprise solutions are more geared toward customization. And okay, yep. if you take a SaaS solution and customize it, it's not something that's necessarily repeatable to every other client. What yep. the market was telling us was, hey, man, we want something that's easy to use, that's easy to consume the way we want to consume it. And if we consume it through partners, then so be it, then deliver it to me through partners. We want it to be price effective, cost effective to me. We want to be able to manage it ourselves instead of having you come in with an army of PS people. And I'm telling you, man, that was a little scary because, you know, while we are very much SaaS multi-tenant, we yep. put a lot of focus on the custom side. Well, what we had to do was rethink the way that we even delivered a solution. Um, I've said a lot here. You have a question, please. No, interesting. It's that, uh, yeah, I was going to then go back and kind of recap what I'm hearing here. Cause as we started off, we talked about that challenge being COVID. It sounds like what happened was the, the primary challenge was there was a slowdown in deals closing, right? Because you had this pipeline and it was all focused on custom solutions for probably enterprise sized clients. Yep. Um, and, and so then, and uh, the, the wall, that, that impetus, the thing that made this come to mind or made this happen was COVID. And then it sounds like you guys identified a new opportunity that sounds super relevant, wherein people stop maybe hiring sales teams, but now these partner networks, especially on a global scale, that you might be able to leverage in order to reach customers for your business um, in other places without even going there, without staffing up more, sharing the risk a little bit, became a new opportunity. And it sounds like as part of your planning, you guys actually needed to create a new solution because that would be a more mass custom solution so you could serve a different type of market size instead of custom, something more out the box. Well, yeah, think about it for a second, Tony. I mean, and it wasn't that we necessarily had to create a new product. 
we yeah. had the core product, but how we packaged the product made all the difference right. in the world, right? Right. If you think about it, out of the box, often, you know, we would, we have competitors who are out of the box and they can't customize what you see is what you get. And we used to kind of use that as a hammer against them. But in this market, customers saying, I got to get up and running and enable my partner ecosystem. I got to get, I don't have time to, you know, build out elaborate deal registration processes that, you know, you know, also, you know, wish my grandmother a happy birthday. Those kinds of things just, just didn't make sense. And so we had to re, we had to pivot very quickly, very aggressively and rethink the way that we approached the client and solve the problem at hand, which meant rebundling or repackaging. And what we did, what we were able to do, which was pretty cool is because of our, you know, sassified capabilities and our ability to have standalone capabilities within the PRM independent of the CRM and so forth, we were able to package and only made it very simple, two packages. One of them was a standard, we called it Channel Ignite. We called the other ones Channel Ignite Pro, right? Mm -hmm. What, to ignite your channel, to accelerate their time to revenue and to be able to deliver something now. And we even allowed the partner to go in, again, SaaS solution, but to project management and project manage and deploy this thing in a matter of days, maybe a week. And now what we had was, whereas we were, you know, our ASP was pretty healthy with a lot of our larger customers, we were finding that the lower end of the market, the volume was there. We were very nervous about ASP erosion. You can imagine that. Again, thinking we still need to hit our targets. But the interesting part was the larger opportunities were still there, just farther and fewer and fewer in between. But suddenly we started picking up big time on selling to the lower end with this true SaaS bundled solution that met the major requirements that was deployable within a week or two and the customer was up and running and partners were delivering. I mean, it was uh, just a real, they were able to allow their partners to really get out there and deliver. And it was uh, just an epiphany to us. It surprised us, it surprised our board, it surprised our investors. It was just a very, very cool, I wouldn't say necessarily by accident, but it was one of those opportunities that when we saw it, we pounced and we were, it was risky, but it worked, it worked. And we had the best fourth quarter in our history. I mean, wow. what do you do? In the middle of COVID, we had the best fourth quarter. That's pretty compelling. And many of that, much of the reason was because of the fact that we were able to deliver so many of these great package solutions. Very compelling. And it's interesting, right? The, um, some companies, dealing with COVID, just COVID could have a positive or a negative effect, right? It just depended on how you stepped up to that challenge. And you all just stumbled upon a new market that turns out to be working really well for you that you guys might have missed otherwise just running your, oper your, your normal play. Nice. Okay. So then how did this experience transform you as a sales leader? So what we learned was we're not turning back. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we learned was this is something at least until the next disruption comes, we're going to ride this horse. We're not walking away from larger deals and the ability to customize and tailor to them. But that is not our main focus. We're not going to go after anything that moves. Right. Any large opportunity. You're going to have right. to say no to certain opportunities as well. And you're going to have to really get better, get really, really good at now what you've learned. And so our focus on talking to our customers on really listening to them, you know, listening to our cab, 
listening to our customer, our partner advisory board, right? What are they telling us? Um, it's so crucial that you have some humility here. So what would you give as your piece of advice to, for other sales leaders out there? Specifically how we, how we wrap it up. What is, based on your experience last year and the stories you shared, what's your advice for sales leaders out there that may deal with the same challenge? Yeah, you know, um, I've said it a hundred times. It's listen, listen, listen. You know, God gave us two of these and one of these. There's a reason for that. Um, you know, often when we're doing well, we tend to think we understand what the customer really needs and wants, that somehow we know better than they do. Uh, and that is that is just a ticket to death. I, I can't say enough, especially during the times of crisis. It's unfortunate that sometimes we have to get a wake-up call you know, buy these kinds of things like a COVID in order to really sit back and listen to our customers. But I think the key is be proactive about that. Do this before, listen to them before the crisis hits. Really, really be humble about what they tell you. And you can't do everything they say, but you've got to be able to show them that you really um, value what they say. And that has to be reflected in what you deliver to them and how you serve them. Um, another thing is be willing to uh, immediately break the current model. You know, just because the founder said we did this, you know, we should do this 10 years ago means nothing. If we're not able to pivot on a dime, you know, to respond to well before the crisis hits, then we may not be around in a year. Um, you know, I think about, I also think about COVID was a time when it would have been easy to panic. It would have been easy to, you know, drastically do something that, you know, ready, fire, aim or whatever. Mm -hmm. To have the uh, patience to walk around the block, to think it through, to have a sense of urgency always, but to really learn and then act. But make sure you understand what it is that you're facing. Um, that was one thing that I think that helped us immensely. We recognized that the sky wasn't falling, but, you know, what was necessary in order to get customers to refocus and find what would make them put those deals back in play, right? What was it? And that took some deep, deep engagement with current customers, with prospective customers, with, you know, analyst community and other, and that was a smart thing. Uh, got it. So I, I got please. three, I got, I got three notes from that. Then I got, listen to your customers, seek to understand, so that you don't just listen, you truly understand what it is that those needs are and things of that nature. And then be ready and prepared to pivot quickly. Mark, I want to congratulate you for a successful 2020, for overcoming the challenge and crushing your revenue goals. I also want to congratulate you for being recognized as the 2021 CRN Channel Chief. Congratulations on that. Uh, thanks again for coming to the show. Mark Rogers from Impartner. Have a great day and transform sales. Thank you, Tony.